Welcome to Run Talk SA. This is episode 25. I'm Simon Parkinson, and on the other side is Brad Brown. How's it, Brad? Yeah, very, very good, Parky. Good to be with you again. Likewise, and I see this week we have got loads of things on the show. Inika's back to talk to us about the various ailments that you get whilst on the road, or more to the point, how you avoid getting them. Uh, we also speak to Lindsay Perry. He was speaking to Brad a little earlier on this week uh, in another of the Comrades webinars, which went well. I believe you have a few weather problems. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, Parky, uh, thunderstorms uh, on the high felt uh, this time of the year, unfortunately, a little bit of breakup. But yeah, in general, it was a really cool webinar, and I've got a snippet of that webinar uh, on this week's show as well, and I'll give you details on how you can catch the whole thing a little bit later on in this program. And of course, it's worth bearing in mind that Comrades is, uh, well, for many people, it's half a year away because it's only in June. But uh, don't forget, you've got to get your entry in and you've got to do it now, 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 before the end of November in order to uh, make sure that you are part of what is the toughest but the most rewarding race on South African soil, dare I say, African soil. Also, you spoke to uh, Craig Fry about some management and management of uh, the more um, uh, elite runners. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Parky, it's quite interesting. I was thinking about Lusapu April's performance at the New York Marathon last week, and I thought, you know what? Uh, I want to find out what goes into getting an athlete to a race like the New York Marathon prepared, uh, peaking at the right time, because there's obviously a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes with regards to negotiation to get them the race, first of all. And it was quite interesting to chat to Craig uh, and hear his take on that side of things. Also this week, we'll be looking at the races coming up, and I can tell you one of the big ones in Gauteng is, uh, of course, next week, uh, not this weekend. This weekend, it's uh, it's Cycle Challenge Sunday, but next weekend is for the RAC runners, and uh, for those in Joburg who are doing a tough one, uh, they'll be looking at uh, how the weather conditions are likely to play out, and I can tell you right now, hot, dry, and probably not too wet. Yeah, I don't know. This this time of the year is not pretty to be running, and especially that one. It's it's going to live up to its name, I think, the tough one. And then Parky, I also touched base with Robin Hyde from Modern Athlete this week uh, to find out what is in the November edition. And I've also been working very, very hard on an interesting little project behind the scenes. I mean, you know my history, how I got running from 165 kgs uh, to basically where I am now, having run a couple of comrades, doing a, a couple of Ironmans as well. And I get asked so often, I get emails from people saying, hey, can you please help me? I want to get going. What do I need to do? So I'm working on a bit of a project at the moment that's going to help people get from zero to 10Ks in 12 weeks. But I'll tell you more about that on next week's show. So you need to listen out. If you know someone who's wanting to get running, make sure they listen to episode 26. It is a big one. It's our six-month anniversary next week, Parky. And we'll give you all the details on next week's show. All of that coming up, but this is Run Talk SA, episode 25. Let's get straight into it. Well, this past week on the New Balance Comrades webinar, we chatted uh, a little bit about overuse injuries, and I said to Lindsay Parry what we would do uh, is go into a bit more depth on this week's Run Talk SA, and that's exactly what we're going to do, and it's great to have our resident physio back on the show, Inika Scorgi. Welcome, uh, Inika. Thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us again. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be back again. Nice to chat to you. It has been a while, but uh, we, we wanted to chat in, in particular about these overuse injuries. I mean, Lindsay was saying that, that a lot of people, especially from the novice front to guys and girls who are starting to up their mileage and, and, and starting to, to really consistently run four or five times a week, are, are st some of them are picking up the odd niggle and, and the odd overuse injury. Before we get into sort of managing overuse injuries and that sort of thing, what commonly are overuse injuries when it comes to running? Okay. 
Okay, well, I suppose before we can say what, what different types of overuse injuries we have, it's, it's important to, to classify an overuse injury. Basically, the word in itself is already an, an adequate description. It is purely overuse. So you get two different types. You get your acute injuries and you get your overuse. Your acute is if you fall down and you sprain your ankle, you have a result as a result. Uh, you basically have a cause effect. Okay, so you fall, you sprain your ankle, you have a ligament damage. Okay, an overuse injury is something that happens usually over a period of time. It, may, it, it can be weeks, it can be months, it can be years. So it's basically something that you don't get pain unless there's something wrong and there could be problems leading up to that point, if that makes sense. So pain is not always indicative that there is a problem. It's a warning sign that something may occur. And that is typically when we then realize, oops, we've got an overuse injury call it a niggle, call it whatever you like. And that's basically what we just classify as a description. All right, the, the acute one, it's so funny. I was chatting to Lindsay about it. I, I went and rolled my ankle on, on a run early Monday morning and, and literally haven't run since. Uh, ah. it's, it's feeling a lot better. But, but those are, are, are quite, I mean, obviously the severity of it is, is, is what's going to uh, dictate how long you, you, you need to rest the thing. I've literally rested it for 48 hours now. It's feeling a lot better. I'm going to take it out for a run tomorrow morning and see if it, if it, if it feels okay. I mean, the swelling has gone down and that sort of thing. But then when you start mm -hmm. looking at the, at the overuse sort of things where you're talking about there's pain that, that's almost like a, a flag to say that, hang on a sec, you know what? If you continue along this path, Path, something serious might happen. Let's talk about some of those because I think that's, in, I don't know, I might, I might be way off, but correct me if I'm wrong, those are probably the, the more common sort of overuse overuse injuries. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we're talking about overuse injuries, it's quite difficult because there's not always one definitive cause. And that's what makes treating it and recovery so difficult because you've got to find out what is the diagnosis and is there more than one reason or one factor for the injury occurring? In an acute injury, like you said, you rest for 48 hours, you may or may not put some ice on it. Generally, after the time, it feels a little bit better. With an, with an overuse injury, it's not always as clear-cut and as easy as that. Sometimes, or most of the time, rest does help, but rest is usually indicated in longer periods rather than acute, rather than acute pain. And we don't talk about complete rest, we talk about relative rest. So if you have an overuse injury from running, for example, running is most likely the activity that is causing your injury. So you need to rest from running, but not activity in total. So you could still carry on swimming, cycling, that kind of thing, doing like gym activities. And we, depending on what is injured, we then need to say, okay, you need a period of rest. When we talk about overuse, you then classify it into different types of, of body parts. So Typically, we will say things that are familiar to all athletes, like your shin splints, your ITB, your Achilles tendinopathy. But in physio terms, we talk about it affecting certain body tissues. So if you have an overuse injury, and this is for, for runners and cyclists and swimmers and everybody alike, you've got to realize, is it bone? Is it muscle? Is it a tendon? Is it a bursa? What is the structure that is causing your pain? And when you get to the bottom of that, then you can say, well, this is how long I need to rest it for because a bone recovery time is different to a muscle's recovery time. Bone, in essence, takes a lot longer if you have a stress fracture, for example, whereas if you pick up a muscle strain or a muscle tear, the recovery time is much shorter depending on which muscle is injured. So that, that's the first thing that you need to do is just define those two. 
Okay, and then and then as far as treatment and, and, and sort of managing these things as they happen, you mentioned the pain is is uh, indicative of something more serious that's going to happen essentially. And, and you talk about bone and, and stress fractures. Any, I mean, I'm no medical practitioner by any stretch, but could it happen that you just out and out get a stress fracture or is there long-term sort of pain before that stress fracture happens? Not, may not necessarily be pain, but you may have a little bit of swelling in the area, a little bit of tenderness after the run or even during the run at times, it feels unusually sore, particularly the next morning. So this is specific to stress fractures. So there's usually warning signs that we ignore long-term and we kind of say, oh, we just attribute it to feeling a little bit of muscle soreness, you know, post-gym soreness. But there are often warning signs if we think back in our own history um, it, it's a lot easier when we, there's a path to follow. So, so one of the words of advice that I always give to my patients is keep a training diary. Even if you're a novice, even if you experience, it doesn't really matter. Have a sort of an indication of what it is that you've been doing in terms of training so that for a clinician like myself, you can page back into that and see, okay, this is where things have changed. This is where possibly the training has changed. The volume has picked up a little bit. The level of difficulty or the intensity has picked up. They've changed from trail running to road running. And it's often changes like that in the training specifically that can then give you an overuse injury. And it's it's, so, it's probably also good to, to put sort of gear in there too. So if you, if you change shoes or uh, change brand of shoes, it's probably good to put that in that diary as well. Absolutely, absolutely. That, that's an interesting point that you mentioned because when you talk about gear and shoes, if you're talking about any kind of injury per se, per se, we talk about extrinsic and intrinsic risk factors. So extrinsic is everything external. So it involves your environment. So it's things like your, your running shoes. It's the technique that you have. It's your training errors. It's the surface that you train on. It even goes so far as to say your nutrition and your psychological sort of well-being. Whereas your, your intrinsic factors are more your biomechanical alignment. Do you have the same things on both sides? Is the alignment of the bones fine? Do you have muscle discrepancies between left and right and front and back of the leg? Some, they say females are more predisposed to sort of injuries. But those are all risk factors. And when you're talking about shoes specifically, it's not necessarily the brand of shoe that you wear. But is it the, is the type of shoe suitable for the type of running that you're doing and for your body frame? And very specifically looking at the shoe age. So if your shoe is quite worn, of course, you're going to be more prone to picking up an injury than in a shoe that's relatively new and hasn't got much mileage in it. Yeah, it's quite funny you mentioned the shoes and, and the type of shoe, not necessarily the brand. But, I, I mean, I'm of the opinion, and, and, and I'm a really good example of it. I mean, I pronate really, really badly. If you see me running from behind, it's actually shocking. And I run in neutral shoes just because I've always run in neutral shoes. But I started up, uh, started really slowly and built up slowly. So it, it's almost a case of if, if I had to go from naught to a marathon in a couple of months I probably would pick up an injury because of the shoes I'm running in, but because my body's had time to adapt over time, uh, it, it sort of uh, allowed me to, 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 to run sort of injury-free. Yeah, absolutely. And you're fortunate if that's been the case, but often then when you pronate, you may not pick up a, a problem with your foot, for example. So when we're talking, because we're talking about overuse injuries, your body and not just your shoe has had time to compensate. So now you run in a slightly different way. Your knee does a certain thing and your hip does a certain thing. So often then you've got to look, and we've spoken about it previously, you've got to look higher up your body, what we call a kinetic chain, 
just to see if your foot is doing one thing, does it result in something else happening at your hip, your knee, your spine, in order for you to compensate? And that's exactly why, as I say, in overuse injuries particularly are so difficult to diagnose because nine times out of ten, the area where you feel your pain is not the pain or is not the structure that is causing your discomfort, if that makes sense. So your foot may be the origin of the problem, but because you've been running on it for months or years even, all sorts of other body structures are now placed under a certain amount of strain, and that's why you'll feel discomfort there. But, of course, not just shoes, but training clothes in general also make a difference. So depending on your environment, whether it's hot, it's cold, what time of the day you train in, those kind of things are also risk factors for picking up injuries going forward. Okay, and, and let's let's just sort of touch on if, if someone is sitting with a bit of a niggle, they've got a bit of a pain perhaps in their legs, shins, uh, sort of ITB, what's the best way to, to deal with, with something like that that could possibly an over, uh, be an overuse injury? Well, the first, the first thing is basically just to modify your activity, as I say. Reduce your training volume, reduce the intensity, take it down a notch. If, it's, if you can run through the pain, you don't have to abstain from running altogether because that doesn't help. Unless, of course, the problem is so gravitating that you really can't do anything with it. But modify the activity. See in your training diary, have you had a recent peak? What is it that you can attribute it to? Then check your lifestyle. Are you eating healthily? Are you getting enough sleep? Have you got a lot of stress at work? Those kind of things all contribute to any kind of overuse injury big time. So getting a period of rest with your feet up Sleeping adequately and just beefing up on your your vegetables and your fruit makes a huge difference. And then just in terms of depending on where it is, ice is usually quite a good idea to try, um, using it for 15 minutes at a time, and you can do that up to every two hours. And um, if for running particularly, most of the injuries that you'll pick up is on impact. So as I said, modifying the activity, sticking to cross-training for the next week or so, seeing if it makes a difference. If it persists more than two or three weeks, then I would recommend maybe going to a specialist or a clinician just to, go, just to get a definitive diagnosis and see, okay, is it something that if I pursue this, it's going to end up in a stress fracture? Have I already got a stress fracture, if we're talking about stress fracture specifically? Or... Is it just something that I'm a little bit paranoid about? I feel a niggle. Oops. You know, usually with overuse injuries, most people tend to ignore it for a very long time until it actually becomes a problem because you can actually train through it. So my advice to people is don't ignore it. Just modify the training that you've been doing and see whether it makes a difference or not. And then look, go back in your own history and kind of just evaluate what is it that's changed, what is it that's different. Yeah, and that's and that's great advice, Anika. Because I mean, one of the problems I remember when I ran my first comrades is I was very concerned about injury, and and you've almost got these goals, and you know you have to qualify by this date, and you have to run your ultra by this date, and then it's comrades, and you almost don't want to take time off and 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 sort of modify what you're doing because you think you're going to lose out on fitness. But the truth of the matter is, if you push through it and you pick up something major, that's going to be your race done anyway. So rather manage it now before it does become something major and you can sort it out and keep on training. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you guys spoke about it in your webinar as well. Recovery and rest is as important to any training program as is the actual program. So to do things for seven days in a row, week on week on week, Nobody's body can sustain that. Even elite athletes take a break every now and then or modify what they've been doing. So it's so important to just let your body recover 
and be aware to the signs and symptoms. Often suffering from overtraining or the overtraining syndrome is one of the biggest, biggest indicators of picking up an injury going forward. So just be aware of what your body is doing. Are you suffering from overtraining? So that would be like persistent tiredness, decreased performance despite putting in lots of big mileage. If you have mood changes or you're irritable, frequent illness, particularly of what you call your upper respiratory tract. It's, and then obviously your increase in your resting heart rate. So take your heart rate in the morning. If, you know, the fitter you are, we say the lower your heart rate should be. But if your heart rate is spiking in the morning, that could also be an indication of overtraining. Lack of appetite, lack of motivation, increased stress levels. I mean, those are all types of things that, that will indicate that as well. So just, you know, mod- modify and say what it is you're doing. Check within yourself. Check your heart rate on every single morning and whether your performance has decreased and then get enough rest. I can't, I can't mention that enough. And often, unfortunately, it's, it's such a vicious cycle because what happens is as athletes, we realize, oh yeah, my performance is coming down. It's trying a little harder. The harder we train, the more tired you are, the more you are prone to picking up an injury. And then you train a little harder, you know, so it just keeps going round and round and round. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Inika, as always, great to chat, and, and I think the advice is very, very sound. Uh, and look forward to touching base again soon. Good luck with your training as well. Great. Thanks very much. And you too, Brad. We'll see you on the road. Monday, the 11th of November, saw the third of our Journey to Comrades webinars brought to you by New Balance. And, uh, yeah, it was a, an interesting one, to say the least. Some Some cool topics being touched on. Uh, in particular with regards to rest and recovery. We also looked a little bit uh, about injuries and, and uh, funnily enough, uh, a little bit, touched on a little bit of what Inika just spoke about as well. Uh, And we looked at where you should be right now, what you should be doing now and for the next four weeks. So if you want to check out that webinar, the uh, website address to get to is runtalksa.co.za forward slash webinar. But this is a little snippet that came out of Monday night's show. Lindsay, you wanted to touch on on sort of resting uh, and recovery more so in in, in this webinar. Let's talk about resting. You're quite vocal about taking a bit of a break towards the end of the year before we start really hitting off and, and building up to, to Comrades 2014. Tell us the, your thinking behind taking a bit of time off towards the end of the year. Yeah, so look, I, I think for me there's two key components to taking a bit of time off, um, particularly around now. You know, like in the in the, the sort of original days of Comrades, it was run on the 31st of May. People used to train hard from uh, January through to race day. Then we moved to the 16th of June, so we had a little bit more time, and I suppose people took December holiday uh, pretty easy anyway, especially over the very festive time. And then they moved back to the 1st of June. So really what that means is that we need to hit the ground running on the 1st of January so that you've got a good six- or five-month build-up to the Comrades Marathon. And that is a long time to be focused on a single project. So yes, it's important that we have a physical break um, because we do need to rejuvenate. Uh, we also need the mental break. I mean, when we start in January, there are going to be a few little breaks after we've done the qualifier, after we've done an ultra marathon. But it's really crucial that you push the reset button in your head. Uh, so for me, I like runners to either take two two-week breaks through the year. Um, or uh, a three-week and a two-week break. So this break will be about two weeks long, 
and then after comrades, I'm fairly um, insistent, I guess is the word, right word to use, that you take a three-week break. Much like we need a holiday from work, we need a holiday from running just for that mental and physical rejuvenation. Well, that's the snippet out of Monday night's webinar. If you want to catch the whole thing, there is an hour-long webinar online available right now. Just get to runtalksa.co.za forward slash webinar. And don't forget the next one going to be taking place on Monday the 2nd of December. You can register for that one right now as well. Just get to runtalksa.co.za. Click on the uh, banner on the right-hand side of our website. You can't miss it. Top right, uh, it is as easy as that. And we look forward to spending some time with you. 7.30, Monday the 2nd of December. Register for it right now. We chat to tons of great athletes here on Run Talk SA uh, on, a, on a fairly regular basis, and a lot of people don't realize what goes into uh, getting one of those top athletes to perform at the top, top level. And I thought, you know what, let's take a look at what goes on behind the scenes. And it's a great pleasure to welcome onto the show this week athlete manager Craig Fry. Craig, it's good to chat again. Are you well, bud? Yeah, I'm, I'm excellent. Thank you, Brad, and th- thanks for having us uh, again on an awesome show. Excellent. Craig, the, the interesting thing is a lot of people think, I mean, if and I'm just going to use the example. I'm going to use Lissapo April as an example who did really well at the, at the recent New York Marathon. We had him on the show. A lot of people think an, a performance like that just happens, and yes, Lissapo puts in lots of great work, but there's a whole team behind the scenes uh, with an athlete like Lissapo. It doesn't matter who the athlete is, that, that sort of are working continuously throughout the year, throughout the years, in order to ensure that performances like that do happen. Craig, tell us from your point of view, as an athlete manager, what is your job? Well, predominantly, um, what, I, what I actually do is I look at an athlete. Um, if the athlete is, say, one of my contracted athletes, then we would plan out a sort of three-year career path for him, and everything would be geared to, to performing or building up to a, a top performance within that three-year period and which would help him then to kick on. And, you know, it's not just a case of, of sitting back and saying, well, the athlete must go and train. You know, it's everything around that. You know, an athlete needs to train and be peaking at the correct times to, to be able to, to perform at, at, at the race that, you, that we've kind of earmarked. Um, you know, to, to get a, a, an athlete into a race like New York Marathon, Yes, a the athlete needs to be able to warrant the time to be invited as a as a top athlete to that race. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 the work that goes on behind the scenes. What 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 I do is is really facilitating the discussion between the the race organizer and the, and and the, getting the athlete to the race, which is many emails and discussions about what, does the athlete fit into what they're trying to achieve as a race. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other side of, of, of the job is, is really making sure the athlete is, is comfortable and he has got everything that he could possibly need to be able to train to the best of his ability to, to perform at the races. So it's making sure that he is uh, pretty much, he has housing, he has, he has some type of income to to, to pay for the training, um, the shoes that he runs in, you know, it's it's all of those kind of facets that that, that come into play. 
It's quite it's quite interesting, Craig. You, you talk about sort of that three year plan and mapping out what what what's going to be on the cards for that athlete and races that you're going to particularly target. It's pretty difficult. I mean, you're saying targeting races. There's no guarantee that your athlete's going to win that race. So you you essentially need uh, a whole bunch of athletes sort of in the pot at the same time in order for you to be able to survive and not necessarily also just for the athletes to survive. I mean, it it, it must be a, a difficult juggling act. It, it is, actually. Um, you know, with 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 many of the races around around the world, and it's, well, let's, let's look at South Africa. Um, you know your your top marathons, which and and including Comrades and Two Oceans, which are, are the, the the top paying marathons around, or ultra marathons. And um, you know their model in South Africa is different to what it is internationally. You know races in South Africa do not pay for athletes' flights. They do not pay for accommodation. They do. There's there's almost there's almost no support for an elite athlete to come to South Africa. So essentially, if if I'm bringing let's say, athlete X from Kenya to come and run in South Africa, it's all at my own expense. And to bring one athlete to one race uh, costs me around 9,000 rand. And that includes his flights, his accommodation, his his food, his, his internal travel, race entries, etc. So, you know, for me, you know, to bring five or six athletes to one race where let's say the prize money is 50,000 rand, you know, I'm, it's going to cost me 50,000 rand to bring those five athletes in. So does it warrant bringing that amount of athletes? Generally, no, because the best you're going to do is take a, a small percentage of what the guy wins and the rest is his money. So, you know, if I'm going to spend 40 or 50,000 rand bringing in four or five athletes to a race, the best the guy's going to do is win the race and, He's going to earn forty thousand. I'm going to take a maximum of fifteen percent. You know that that is that is my cut as, as as a manager, which is pretty much the international norm and standard. So the margins are very very tough and very 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 tight to for for me to make a living. So it's not just the athlete making a living, but it's also me. So you know you, you try and, and and get the guys in to a give them good experience to to come and run, and I, and I like to to watch the guys run at the races and many are I think are called chaos with race directors and officials because I like to be on the route and I like to be able to drive on the route um, or as close to the route as possible to be at certain points to watch the guys run so I can see what they're doing and their ability so yeah it, 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 it does become very tough to to work with athletes when you're actually having to pay everything out your own pocket and Craig, from a from an athletic point of view, as as an athlete looking perhaps to get a manager, I mean, we we get, and I'll be honest with you, we get uh, emails every single week of guys saying, "Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm looking for sponsors, or I'm looking for for help." You you must get tons of requests, and as well, what do you look for? I mean, if if an athlete's listening to this, who who potentially has what it takes to to be a world beater, and and they're looking for representation first of all, and looking for sponsorship second. Well, what would they need to do to ensure that they are essentially a marketable product? Well, you know, first and foremost is, is is performance. And, you know, you whilst everybody wants to rush around and get a, a, a male athlete that can run a 205 marathon because, you know, then you can pretty much book your ticket to any race you want to go to in the world. Um, 
but sort of where where I'm sitting at the moment and where I'm looking at and and and, and developing athletes is guys that are are running or have potential to be able to run a two ten a two eleven um, around around anywhere in the world really, which <clears throat> excuse me where we can we can look at getting that guy different training um, or enhancing his training to to be able to drop down to those those lower times. Um, you know, so it's it's yeah, it's it becomes becomes a bit of a, a juggling act because, uh, as you say, I mean, to be honest, I get maybe twenty or thirty emails a week from athletes all over Africa and all over the world saying, "Be my manager, be my manager," and it's it's a tough business because you know each each and every single one of these guys they can probably run a two eleven or a two twelve, you know, so. When, when you're looking at races around the world, there are only so many positions open at each race for for invitation. So, you know, you you kind of I, I feel for the guys, um, and it's very difficult to turn athletes away because they're also just trying to apply their trade. Yeah, it's it's very difficult, Craig. I'm quite excited that you're talking about a two ten, two eleven. I'm thinking I can run a two ten, and then I realise you're talking for a marathon, not a half marathon. <laughs> I, I was going to ask if you could represent me. Oh, I don't. I, I can't represent triathletes. I just don't know too much about triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love it, Craig. If if someone wants to get in touch with you, if they want to find out more about what you do, what's what's the best way to to be in touch? The the best way for to get hold of me is through through um, www.craigathletes.com. Um, alternatively, you know, just just find me on on Facebook. Uh, I've got various profiles up there or on Twitter which is uh, Twitter handle at Craig's Athletes. All right, brilliant. What I'll do, Craig, is I'll link uh, to the show notes or from the show notes of this episode of Run Talk USA through to that as well. So if somebody wants to find out more about what you do and get uh, some more info on the nitty-gritties, they can uh, be in touch directly with you. No, that'll be fantastic. Thanks, Brad. And, you know, maybe I can just add at the end here, you know, the the, 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 the biggest problem that, that all athletes around everywhere face is the lack of of corporate corporate involvement um, with with these these athletes, and I really do believe that that South Africa has the talent. It's just that any money that's coming into athletics in any form, I, I really do believe, is is going to going in the wrong places, being spent not on athlete development, but on rather on functions and. You know, it's just in the wrong places. You know, you have to kind of specify or and and really target the right the right place. You know, earmark a group of athletes. And you know, if we if we can get corporate South Africa excited again with athletics, and hopefully a performance like Lusapa at New York has got the world of of the corporate business looking up and saying, "Wow, we can actually as South Africans compete on that international stage." You know, maybe we can we can start getting our athletes in South Africa to be competing much like Lusapa did against the top Kenyans, Eritreans, Ethiopians. So, yeah, hopefully some exciting times coming up. Yeah, I think we are definitely sort of on the up and, and moving in the right direction. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the administration of the sport. That's a whole show on its own. We won't get into that this week. Uh, but, yeah, uh, interesting to say the least. Craig Fry, it's been awesome catching up once again. and look forward to chatting again soon. Excellent. Thank you, Brad.
It is November, which means there is a brand new Modern Athlete out. And as always, great to welcome onto the show, Robin Hyde from Modern Athlete. Robin, are you well? Great. Very well in yourself. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, ex- uh, excellent, excellent. Robin, before we get into what's in this uh, this month's mag, I know you were down at Cops or Whoops. Uh, how did it go? Brad, it was absolutely fantastic. The the weather gods were, were with us. I'm sure you've heard the weather racing conditions were absolutely ideal. There was a record field, I think just shy of, uh, of 3,000 finishes. I've been in the region of 2,700, 2,800 finishes. Just an absolutely, absolutely spectacular uh, weekend. Always good to go down to uh, the Carps of Run, Brad. Lekker, man. And I'm chuffed that you're back on the road as well. Your, your Operation Comrades 2014 still well on track. Brad, we're getting there. Baby steps. Eating elephant in small bites, eh? I love it. I love it, Robin. That's, that's brilliant. Tell us, what's, uh, what's in the mag this, uh, this month? Yeah, Brad, looking at the November issue, um, we chat to uh, Ken Poole, the 71-year-old world triathlon champ, runs out of Jeppe. Um, Lauren spoke to Willem Kutzen, who is the South African Olympic decathlon star, in an article entitled Master of All. Quite a nice read. Uh, Sean Falconer, um, Brad, our editor, interviewed 17-year-old Annie Mortner, who is currently setting the running scene alight um, and of course, including representing South Africa at the World Cross Country Champs in March this year. So they were quite a nice read there as well. Uh, he also chatted to James Evans, a rather hot topic at the moment. As you know, James is president of ASA. Very interesting read, something really worthwhile looking out for in the November issue of the Modern Athlete. And then, of course, uh, we feature an article on Josiah Tagwani, who, as you know, was the first black South African to win an Olympic gold. Um, in the running and sports feature, we chatted to Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan, uh, of course the biggest name in mixed martial arts, uh, recently fought back his title at uh, EFC Africa 24. And then um, in the Balancing Act feature, Lauren caught up with Valen Kirtley, uh, the sports anchor on Morning Live. So that's quite a nice read as well. Um, also featured, of course, the regulars, the usual suspects. We've got training body science and nutrition. And in this month, speaking of nutrition, we have a look at the power of potatoes. So look out for that one. Women's running, of course, covers sports bras, a read that I'm sure all the ladies will appreciate. And of course, we chat to Bruce Fordyce uh, on the latest craze on the South African road running, or well, South African running scene, and that's the park runs there. So uh, quite an interesting read that as well, Bruce, on the park runs. And again, back to the regulars. There's the Dare to Try feature, there's race reports, some great trail runs. And of course, the race preview, uh, we feature the up-and-coming Discam, which is going to be held on the 12th of January, running out of bed for you, that event. Last but not least, uh, the Centre Spread, a handy three-page pull-out race calendar for the month of November, and of course, loads of great competitions and prizes to be won, Brad. Awesome stuff, Robin. What I'm going to do as well is I know there's an electronic copy, and, and we've got a copy on our website too, so uh, if, if people want to get uh, their hands or eyes on this month's edition of Modern Athlete, all they need to do is just go to the show notes for this episode of Run Talk SA. The link is there. You can click straight through. As always, it's free, and uh, you can read the mag. It, it sounds like a, a very interesting mix this month, Robin. Uh, congratulations. Well done, mate. sounds like, like it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, good stuff, Brad. And always thank you for your guys' support as well. Much, much appreciated. Good to catch up with you. Good to talk to you. Well, that's it for another week of Run Talk SA, another busy, busy show. Looking forward to next week. Don't forget, if you do know someone who's interested in starting running, they need to listen to episode 26. That's next week's episode of Run Talk SA. I've got a very, very exciting 
uh, announcement to make, something I've been working on for a while, and I can't wait to share it. That's coming up next week. As always, if you want to be in touch, you can tweet us at RuntalkSA. You can email podcast at runtalksa.co.za, or alternatively, pop onto our Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash runtalksa. Parky, that's a wrap. Uh, I'm out of here. Until next week, cheers. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, one of the things just before we do go that I'm going to be touching on next week is based around those Christmas runs that are on the way. We are nearing the end of November, and come early December, there are a number of runners around the country that start to say, well, hang on, we've done the Comrades, we've done the Two Oceans, we've done the big runs, we've done the half marathons, the marathons, now let's have some fun. And fun fun usually includes doing four, five, six, seven, or eight-kilometer runs with a couple of interesting water stops. Uh, There are a number of people that do these out there. We'll be speaking next week to just one of those clubs who are getting involved in a beer bus type run. If you've got any of your own, we'd like to hear from you. And you can, of course, get hold of us via our website, emailing podcast at runtalksa.ca.za or just getting yourself down to www.runtalksa.ca.za. Till next week, have a great running week, and we'll speak to you for episode 26 in a week's time.